Verses 18 through 25 will be our verses this afternoon. Thanks to God. Give this the word of God your full attention. Wives, be subject to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not become bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not antagonize your children so that they will not become discouraged. Slaves, obey those who are your human masters in everything. Not with eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord and not for, not for people. Knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For the one who does wrong will receive the consequences of wrong which he has done, and without partiality. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Saints, you may be seated. <clears throat> Walking in the light, as Pastor Antonio said this morning, is a great encouragement for us, but also it's very, very, very hard, is it not? And it's hard because when we come to verses like this, we are confronted with things that we might not like, but we have to accept. As we come to the final remaining verses of Colossians chapter 3, St. Paul is in many ways going to show us what it means to live out verse 17. Remember, he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God our Father. Verses 18 through 25 and even on down are are really just an expansion of verse 17. And, and quite honestly, it's really just an elaboration, an expansion of the question that I proposed to you last Sunday and the question that was proposed to you this morning in Pastor Antonio's sermon. And it's simply this. How bad do you want to be like Jesus Christ? How bad do you want to be like Jesus Christ? Not just merely amening from your lips, but also walking with your feet. How do you want to, or rather, how bad do you want to look like Jesus Christ? This verse is beautiful, verse 17. All that you do, do in the name of the Lord. But it does leave us with a question, saints. And the question is this. How do we do everything in the name of the Lord? God gives us a command. Now, how do we exercise this command? And this is why I love the Bible, because not only does God give you the command, not only does God enable you to perform the command, but also he gives you examples of how to do the command. And it's here in verses 18 to 25, St. Paul presents to us four people groups. Saints of God, let me tell you, everyone, everyone in this room is going to be talked to this afternoon. If you're married, wake up now. If you're a husband or a wife, wake up now. If you're a ch child, Wake up now. If you go to work from Monday to Saturday or Monday to Friday, Paul is speaking to you this afternoon. It is here where Paul speaks to wives. He speaks to husbands. He speaks to children. And then he just says, matter of fact, all Christians. I got something for you. Now, 
Verses 18 to 25 present to us great wisdom, but if I was honest with you, as the one who studied this passage and in many ways was kind of scared of how I would approach this passage, it does present to us two of the most controversial verses in all of the Bible. Two of the most controversial verses in all of the Bible. Let me just give them to you. Number one, wives, submit to your husbands. Ooh, that's not very liked. In this day and age. And then number two, slaves, obey your masters. One is not liked by feminists and those who want to uphold uh, the superiority of women in all things. And then on the other side, you have those naughty atheists who say, well, how can you believe the Bible when the Bible condones slavery? The Bible actually says Good things about slavery. Let's just jump into the text. <clears throat> First and foremost, wives and husbands, your time is coming. So don't get too, you know, comfortable. Your time is coming in just a few moments. Let's consider wives. This is the first controversial statement in the verses. Wives be subject to your husbands. As it is fitting in the Lord. Now, saints. How are we to approach a verse like this? How do we approach a verse like this? Well, first and foremost, we must have a clear, crystal clear understanding. And saints of God, all of what I'm going to say in, 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 in what I'm going to say in just a few moments is really just an elaboration of what Pastor Antonio said this morning. We must have a clear understanding that Everything and all of what this book says here are the words of God. That's number one. We come to verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands. And then later on, slaves to your masters. With this already foundational truth and understanding that everything in this book are, is the very words of God. If we can't get that, we cannot move on further. That's number one. We must have a clear understanding that everything in this book not only is the word of God, but must be believed. Everything in this book is not only the word of God, but there are no non-negotiables. There, there are no things up for debate. There, there are no things that you have an opinion. No, no, no. You must believe everything the Word of God says. Every single line, every single doctrine that hurts, every single verse that makes you say, ouch, you must believe. That means, congregation, that we don't reserve our amens only when we read the Psalms. And we don't reserve our amens only when we read those beautiful verses of our salvation in Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. The Christian says amen to even those hard-to-read passages. The Christian says amen even to those verses that we don't like to read in the public square. Those verses that make us say, oh, let me say this silently. 
even the hard sayings in the Bible warrant an amen. The word of God is not just any other book. Again, the word of God, Christian, is not like any other book. It's not like the other books in the world, meaning the word of God is not like those books on philosophy. It's not like those books on math. It's not like those books on science. You see, in those books, we can debate what's being said. In those books, we can read them, take information, believe this, believe that, maybe not even believe the whole thing. In those books, we have room to voice opinion, to say, nah, I, I don't believe that. I ain't getting with that. In those books, we can do that. But when it comes to the Bible, things don't work that way. Things don't work that way. And saints of God, much of the problems that we have in the church today comes from Christians who simply put, don't like some of the words in this book. That's some of the, that's maybe the main problem that we have in Christianity today is that there's just some Christians who just don't like that verse right there. I can do without that. Much of the problem of the church today, saints of God, is that we have Christians who are mixing Bible with vain philosophy. We have Christians now who are mixing Bible with, I'm just going to keep it real with you, with what gay people and what, what trans people say. We have Christians now who are mixing Bible with what the president says. Mixing Bible with what laws are being passed. Mixing Bible with our own imagination and opinions. Mixing Bible with what mommy and daddy taught me. Mixing Bible with what the world says is true. No, church, that is not the mark of a true Christian. That is not a mark of a true Christian. The mark of a true Christian throws out their opinion. When it comes to what the word of God says, the mark of a true Christian throws out whatever the world says to be true. When it comes to what the word of God says, the mark of a true Christian throws out what mama and what daddy, what grandma and what grandpa told them to be true growing up. When it comes to the word of God. I say all that, saints, because when we come to a verse like this, verse 18. Some Christians have tried to downplay what St. Paul is saying by by saying such things as, you know, that verse in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Yeah, St. Paul, he, he, said he was being too narrow minded. St. Paul was being chauvinistic. St. Paul is showing that he was culturally conditioned or even worse. St. Paul is showing I mean, he says the gift of signal. He's showing you. He just hates women. St. Paul hates women. He don't like women. Verse 8 tells you. Saints of God, we must be careful talking that way. For to attack what St. Paul says here, simply put, is to attack the very word of God. What St. Paul says in Colossians 8, chapter 3, verse 18, is not Paul's opinion. It's not Paul's opinion. 
It's God's opinion. Not Paul's opinion. Yes, Paul is an instrument of God. But who wrote these words? It is Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when Paul says wives be subject to their husbands, it is God saying wives be subject to your husbands. So any wife that wants to take any sort of, you know, wants to take a stand for a verse like this, you want to stand up to God? You're not standing up to measly old Paul. <laughs> You're actually standing up to God. The question I have for you wives, the question I have for also for you husbands, the question I have for you children is, is do you take the word of God seriously? Do you take every word that comes from this book seriously? To attack what Paul says here, simply put, it's not about your view of gender roles. It's not about your view of women and their rights. It's not about your view of this or that, but rather it's simply put your view of Scripture. And quite frankly, congregation, verse 18 is a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful verse. Because this verse teaches us, saints of God, it teaches us what the true love of a wife looks like. What does a true love of a wife look like? She submits to her husband. She submits to her husband. Again, St. Paul says, wives be subject to your husbands. Submission has become a bad word in the culture that we live in. And to be honest with you, if you see much of the churches that are, you know, packed out, it's become a bad word in the church as well. We don't like submission. Stay away from the word submission. But this bad word is a biblical word. It's a biblical word. The word submission is a military word, and it simply just describes soldiers under the command of an officer. Soldiers under the command of an officer. And if you know anything about the military, I don't. But if you know anything about the military... You know that just because an officer outranks you doesn't mean that the officer is inherently superior to you. Wise, I'm trying to help you out. Just because the officer outranks you doesn't mean the officer inherently is superior to you. Rank is about order. Not important. And so when St. Paul says that wives are to be subject to their husbands, it doesn't mean that husbands are better than their wives. It doesn't mean that males are better than females. Husbands, do not say amen in your head. Or, or, or rebuke me in your head, rather. No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that husbands are better than wives or males are better than females. It doesn't mean that... Husbands are superior and wives are inferior. It doesn't mean that a wife is below the husband as a person. It doesn't mean that wives, hear me now, husbands are not to have their own opinion. Can't voice their opinion. 
And I would say, as a married man needs to voice their opinion, it's not saying that. doesn't mean that wives don't contribute to the marriage. My wife contributes a lot to the marriage. doesn't mean that at all. But rather, submission first and foremost has nothing to do about the wife. It has everything to do about God. That God is a God of order. That's what it means. That God is a God of order and not a God of chaos. We know this congregation in every institution. Any company, any institution, any corporation, there needs to be order. If there's not order, there is chaos. In order for an institution to be run rightly and successfully, there needs to be order. We must note that the text says wives. Be subject to your husband. Meaning your wife ain't subject to me. But also congregation, it doesn't mean that women submit to men. That women submit to men. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that I can tell a single woman, because you're a woman, you are to submit to me. And also to you singles. Your girlfriend is not to submit to you. The one who you're taking on that first date to BJ's is not to submit to you. Wifey doesn't submit to you. But wives submit to their husbands. Women in general do not submit to men. Women can be leaders. Women can be CEOs. Women can be presidents. Women can be managers. But within Two, two institutions that God has given to creation, marriage and the church, women are to submit to men. Women are to submit to men. Women are to be subject to their husbands. Now, men, this doesn't mean that your wife is a piece of property. Doesn't mean that husbands are to use and mistreat their wives. It doesn't mean that a man is to lay on his couch while he's barking orders at his wife. That's not what submission means. It doesn't mean that wives, hear me now, are not to submit to abuse in any shape or form. It doesn't mean that wives are to submit when their husband wants them to sin. Hey, baby, you know we don't have enough for this. Maybe if you can put this in your in your purse. No, 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 it doesn't mean that. In fact, wives, if your husband ever forces you or tries to cause you to sin, you rebel. You rebel. No, the husband belongs to his wife just as much as the wife belongs to the husband. And when we speak of a wife's submission church, we must understand that a wife's submission pertains both to the common good of the family, but also the husband is to lead his wife as it pertains to the private good of the family. There's a nuance there, but simply put, what it means is the common good is what's best for the family. What's best for the family? We save this money here. It'd be good for all of us. I'm currently right now saving money for all of us to go to Disneyland. I don't know how anyone can ever afford to go to Disneyland. 
But that's the best for the family, for me not to buy X, Y, and Z, to put those things aside so we can all go to Disneyland and have fun. But the private good is only good for that particular person. But you must note that what's good for the family is superior to what's good for you. That means that, husband, if it means that you not buying that grill that's on sale so that your family can eat for the rest of the week, then you don't buy the grill. That's what that means. That wife, just because your hairstylist has an appointment or rather an opening and you, and you got to get it done, but if you get it done, you won't have gas to get to work and you won't have diapers for the kids, then you don't get your hair done. That's what that means. Saints of God, what it means is where... The family should eat, where money should be spent, the overall good of the family. The wife is to submit to her husband. That's what that means. Again, doesn't mean that wives don't have opinions, don't have input. We need those things. But what it means is in the final say, the husband makes the decision. The husband is to lead. And it's the wife's duty to submit. But when it comes to the private good, that is to say, what pertains to the wife, the hair color of the wife, what the wife wants to wear, what shoes she wants to wear, then her nail, her, 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 her nail color. Husbands, if you want to, you can lead them. You can tell them what color of hair you like. You can tell them what dress to wear. But you don't control them. You don't control them. They want to have their hair any sort of way. You might tell them, hey, well, you know, that might cost some double looks. But, you know, if you can do it, you know, then go ahead. If you if you want to have that sort of, you know, those no one does it in here. But, you know, those those 30 inch nails, you know, that the women get. If you want that, you know, you're going to get some looks. But if you want to do that, I'm not going to control you. That's what that means, that the private good of the wife stays with the wife. Stays with the wife. And saints of God, this is reciprocal as well. This is reciprocal. This is reciprocal. That husband, my wife did it uh, recently. And she got fed up with how I dressed. I dressed like a bum, I know. She went to the store and bought me a whole new batch of clothes. But that's, and I can't say, well, baby, you're interfering into my private good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Husband, there's some times when just, you just let your wife lead. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the back seat on that one. That, that, that's actually good for the whole family. <laughs> it's good if, if we all look okay. Yes, we voice our opinions, husbands and wife, but hear me now. We are never to be the Lord over each other's conscience. We are never to be the Lord of each other's conscience. Your husband, your wife, but you're not Savior. Your husband, your wife, but you're not God. Husbands, voice your opinion on your personal desires for your wife. Wives, voice your opinion on the personal desires of your wife, but neither one of you control one another. Neither one of you control one another. But also, too, in many ways, both of you must submit to one another. 
For example, there's some things that my wife knows that I don't like and she won't do. And there's a lot of things that I know my wife won't, don't like and I won't do. And that's just good for the overall common good of the marriage. That we don't even go there. We don't do those things that will upset one another. I say this congregation because verses like this need nuance. It needs balance. I can't tell you how many reformed people go to the far left and say, no, men control everything. And how many reformed people go to the right and say, no, 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 no. Women can do whatever they want. No, there, there needs to be some balance and there needs to be some nuance. But wives, let me just make one last remark and we'll move on. Wives, do not take verse 18 as a burden. Do not take it as a burden. But God blesses a submissive wife. Many of you already receiving, are receiving those blessings. God blesses a submissive wife. Remember what Christ says in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you remember what Psalm 1 says? Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Girl, you're going to submit to him? Are you serious? No, 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 no. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Oh, look at her. She's just submitting when she doesn't. No, 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 no. But his, her delight is in the law of the Lord. Wise, understand that your submission to your husband is first and foremost unto the Lord. You show your love to the Lord by submitting to your husband. But also, let me tell you something, too. You take pride in your submission because you are not the only person in history to ever submit. Your Savior submitted. Your Savior submitted. As a little boy, submitted to his parents. All throughout his life, submitted himself in his humanity to his Father's will. But also, too, that one standing next to you, oh, he's submitting too. He's submitting himself onto the Lord as well. We all are submitting. Now, husbands, now, husbands, verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not become bitter against them. How do we to lead, husbands? We lead by love. We lead by love. Now, how does this love show itself? Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The love that a husband shows to his wife is just simple, simple. It's a love of sacrifice. It's a love of sacrifice. Husbands, hear me now. Love your wife by way of sacrifice. If you're a married husband, hear me now. Sacrifice your time for your wife. Oh, if there's one thing that a woman loves the most, it's just give me some time. And my wife, for instance, <clears throat> my wife, one time late at night, and I don't know why, sometimes at night she just, when we're all going to bed, I kiss each other at night, might be 12, 30 in the morning, one, can I tell you something? I'm like, all right, we're going to do this now. Let's do it now. She just tells me, hey, can we go on a date? 
can we can can we spend some just me and you? It's always just me, you, and the and the two little demons ever. No, no, just me and you. Can we have some time together? You know, and, and it, to me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's let's make. But that sacrifice. That's me having to move things around in my own life to make time for my wife. Which, mind you, that should, that's not a problem. And that should never be a problem. Husbands, sacrifice your money for your wife. Sacrifice your money for your wife. What she wants, you get her. If that means you can't have what you want. Husbands, sacrifice your own personal interests for your wife. If that means that you miss the gym because she wants to just talk, so what? If that means that you can't go out with your homeboys because she just wants to sit down with you and watch a movie, then so what? That's what that means. Sacrifice all of your being for your wife. Husbands, you may not ever in your life die for your wife. But you surely in this life can live for your wife. You can live for your wife. Oftentimes men will say, well, pastor, I get all that. I, I love my wife, but you know, I feel like I'm giving more in the marriage than what I'm getting out. Husbands, it's okay today. We all, I'm sure, have felt that before. That the love that I'm giving out, she ain't appreciating. She's not appreciating what I do. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. And I never get the appreciation that I desire. My response to those men is simply this. Congratulations. Congratulations. If you ever felt that you're doing so much and your wife doesn't appreciate you, congratulations. Because you are doing exactly what the Lord has called you to do. Simply put. You are doing what God has called you to do. Two replies. Man up. Man up. And don't stop what you're doing. Do not stop what you're doing. Just because your wife doesn't tell you thank you for all the things that you have done for her throughout the weeks or the months or whatever, doesn't mean you stop sacrificing for them. God calls us to be men that give ourselves in service for our wives. And in many ways, the husband is to outserve the wife. Why? Because Christ outserves the church. That's why men outserve their wife because of the example of the great husband, Jesus Christ. You love them the way Christ loves the church. And quite frankly, husbands, before you say your wife doesn't appreciate your sacrificial love, let me ask you a question. Do you love your husband, Jesus, the way you ought to? Before you start saying my my Wife doesn't appreciate. Let me ask you, but what about you as a wife? What about you as a bride to your husband, Jesus? Are you giving him the appreciation that he deserves? Before you check your wife, you need to check yourself. Saints of God, we don't give to the Lord all the appreciation he deserves. But he still wakes you up in the morning. 
He still puts food on your table. He still put clothes on your back. He still is praying for you at the right hand of the Father. That means when you don't show appreciation, the Lord doesn't stop sacrificing for you. He doesn't stop doing things for you. Husbands, think of, think of the great love that Christ has for the church. Yes, we can say he lays down his life, but he lays down his life for a bride who hated him. He lays down his life, but yes, he lays down his life for men and women who mocked him, spit on him, beat him, put nails in his wrists and feet, put a crown of thorns on his head. He laid down his life for people who despised him and put him on the cross. Saints of God, if Jesus can love a bride when the bride hates him, then you most surely can love your bride who loves you. Most assuredly you can do so. Our love for our wise congregation, husbands, is to be on par with the love that we have for our own body. St. Paul says, so husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own body. Practically speaking, man, what that means is if you're eating a ribeye steak, your wife is eating a ribeye steak too. That's what that means. Practically speaking. That means if you eat good, your wife is not eating top ramen at night. That's what that means. That means you treat your wife better than you treat yourself. That's what that means. That means, let's just keep it, that's your girl. That's who that is. That that right there, that's mine. That's mine. But also, we are to treat our wives better than we treat anyone on the face of the earth. We are to treat our wives better than anyone on the face of the earth. Meaning you treat your wife better than you treat your own mother. You treat your wife better than you treat your best friend. It was Martin Luther who said the Christian is supposed to love his neighbor. And since the wife is nearest to him, is his nearest neighbor, then his love for him, love for her rather, should be the deepest. That means we don't show our homeboys more love than we show our wives. That, that means that we don't talk to our wives like she's the cashier at the gas station. That, that means that we don't, we don't show more patience and more kindness to the waitress than we show our wives. That's what that means. That means, saints of God, we prize and adore our wife. Prize and adore. I remember a long time ago that I was just a bad boy. And I was talking crazy to my mom one day. My dad pulled me aside and said, let me tell you something. Before she's your mother, she's my wife. Before she's your mother, she's my girl. You don't talk to her any sort of way. Not because not because that's your mother, because that's my girl. And you ain't going to do that in front of me. That's how we are to have a type of attitude toward our wives, saints of God. Because this is not only what the word of God says, but, but if not for nothing, for not for nothing, we adore and prize our wives because, simply put, she married you. She married you. You wouldn't marry you. But she married you. My wife reminds me all the time. There is not a woman in this life, she says, if I ever die, there's not a woman in this world that will ever marry you. And she's right. She married me. Man, we need to take that sometimes to heart. That there is someone out there that chose 
to join themselves to my hip for the rest of their life. That should make you feel special. Special. Just speaking practically, man, personally, rather, three more remarks and then we'll move on. The last two points are very short. Speaking personally, you know, the, the greatest joy in my life and the greatest joy that you should have as a husband is to be able to call your wife by your last name. That should be the greatest accomplishment in your life. That I get to call that woman back there Mrs. Rugnow, Mrs. Curry, Mrs. Frost. I get to call that them by my last name. Last three remarks, and we'll move on. Then we're done. Lastly, saints, or rather, number one, remember that the love of a husband is a self-sacrificial love. It's a love that's not based on what you can get from her. That's how the world thinks of love. Number two, remember, saints of God, husbands, you are not called to be Moses. You're called to be Jesus Christ. What I mean by that is you're not called to be a lawgiver. You don't sit back and command things. You, 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 actually, you actually lead by love and sacrifice. That's what that means. And lastly, and lastly, lastly, why has God ordered marriage this way? In Ephesians 5, after St. Paul has laid out a doctrine of marriage, he says, this mystery is great. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Why is God arranged marriage in this way? That the male is to have the head and the, and, the, and the wife is to be subject to her husband. Why? Let me just make it plain for you. Essentially what St. Paul is saying is folks who don't know Jesus Christ shouldn't have to come to Reformation Bible Church to hear of the gospel and see of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is folks who are unbelievers don't need to come to Reformation Bible Church to see of the great love between Christ and his church. No, they should see that in the lives of the husband and the wife. That's what that means. That they should see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ lived out and played out in everyday life. Saints of God, let me ask you something. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you displaying the love that Christ has for his church? Men, are you doing And also women, are you, are you showing the great submission that Christ, or rather the church, has for Christ? The last two people groups and we're done. The last two, we'll keep this short. 20 and 21, children obey your parents in everything. For this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not antagonize your children so that... They not become discouraged. Simply put, children, hear me now. If you're awake, you don't get to pick and choose when to obey your children. I mean, to obey your parents. You don't pick and choose when you get to obey your parents. But rather, but rather, you are to obey your parents at all times. At all times. Just as a wife is under submission to her husband, children, you are under submission of both wife and husband. Both wife and husband. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't like that. But, but notice, St. Paul says it's pleasing to the Lord. It's onto the Lord. This is what pleases the Lord. Love them. 
Obey them. And let me just tell you, practically speaking, children, please hear me now, practically speaking. Outside of your home and those few people who raised you and birthed you, there is no one outside that loves you more. You will not find another person on this earth, not even your own grandma and grandpa, that love you more than your parents. You won't find them. You won't find them. No one will do for you, children, what mommy and daddy will do for you. Trust me. Trust me. Love them. But parents, just because the, the, the children is to obey you, it doesn't mean that you get to choose, or rather you can do anything you want with them. That's not what that means either. You don't get to treat your child in any kind of way. Verse 21, fathers, do not antagonize your children. Simply put, you don't poke the bear. You don't make them mad at you just to make them mad. You, 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 don't, you don't go the extra mile. When, when it's done, it's done. So that they may become discouraged. Last one, last one, last group, and we're done. Christians in general. If you work, this is for you. Slaves, obey those who are your human masters and everything. Now would I service, not as people please, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Lots of controversy over this. People go to this text and say, see, the, the, the Bible actually Amen, slavery. And let me just tell you something real quick. I can, this is a whole sermon. Let me just tell you real quick. If anyone ever tells you that, the slavery that the Word of God speaks of is fundamentally, categorically different than the slavery that black people, that Mexican people, that even white people have gone through in the past years. It is not the same thing. Please hear me. Because this is the type of arguments from those smarty atheists. Well, if God is good, then why is he saying slave? No, 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 no. Fundamentally different. Fundamentally different. In fact, in most cases, the safest place a person can be is a slave under their masters. You see, we have a problem with this now. But when St. Paul was reading this to this Colossae church, you know, the masters were sitting with their slaves. The masters were sitting with their slaves. And just as St. Paul was saying things about slaves, don't forget, he also says, but masters... You better be good to your slave. Now, let me just let's just use now some 2023, you know, interpretation of how this applies to us. What this simply means is you have a boss. Yeah. You have someone above you. Yeah. Obey them. If they want you to clean this way, clean this way. If they want you to do it like this, do it like that. Why, though? Because you're doing it unto the Lord. That's why. That means is at my workplace, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what a true Christian looks like. That's what that means. That means that we don't try to 
bark orders and try to debate and all these things with our boss. Man, that might happen sometimes, but, but we show ourselves to be Christians. And saints of God, this is the great, the great point of the whole, of the whole verses. Everything you do, do unto the Lord. Everything you do, do unto the Lord. Let's pray.